Then she says, who are you today? I said, excuse me? She said, who are you? I said, why is everybody telling me who I am? I'm Janice. But I can feel the panic starting to rise in my chest. I can feel that my heart is starting to race and my ears are starting to ring and I'm starting to have trouble breathing. Hey there, and welcome to Grit True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of stories, and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories. Personal stories. Grit stories. We are in the middle of season number three, which features grit talks and the best of. And today we have two stories from our mental health happiest hour, an open mic we have every month or so. Our stories today are by Janice, Matias, and Kat Dean. And this was actually our very first mental health happiest hour back in the fall of 2020. So we've been looking through some of our old events and finding some of the stories that really stand out. And these are definitely two of them. So thank you both for letting me use your stories on the Grit podcast. A quick favor, help us out. If you listen to Grit on Apple, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps people find it. And as always, check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99 Second Story Grand Slam season number five. As always, a huge thanks for listening to the podcast and all of your support. Janice and Kat, let's dive in. It's 1997. I am in the living room and this woman is sitting next to me and she's telling me that she's there to help me. I don't remember calling her. I don't remember anything. The next thing I knew, it was blackout. I'm waking up and I'm in St. Joseph Hospital in the psychiatric ward in Patterson, New Jersey. I don't know how I got there. I don't know when I got there. And most of all, I don't even know why I'm there. I'm walking around trying to figure out how did I get here? As I'm walking in the day room, I have people calling me from different names. What? So I walk up to this one of the one of the patients, and his hair is all cut up like you know, like a bad haircut. And he's looked at me. He calls me Carmen, and I looked at him and I said, Carmen, why are you calling me Carmen? He says, Well, I hope you're Carmen because I like I like her because she she I like the way she she curses in Spanish. So I went hmm. So I said, wait a minute, I got to talk. So I go to the nurse calls me and she calls me by the name of Nicole. So I said, excuse me, why are you calling me Nicole? She said, well, that's what you gave me. And I said, well, you know, I just got here. How do you know? She said, no, you've been here for a week. I said, a week? She said, well, you know how you got here? I said, no, I don't know how I got here. I just know I'm here. So she says, well, what do you think is what's going on? I said, I don't know. I said, I just know that I'm a house. I got a husband. I got kids. I got a dog. I'm going to school. I'm also on a professional dance club. I said, maybe I just just got carried away and it's just got too much on me. I don't know what's going on. 
And she said, well, Nicole, I said, I'm not Nicole. Why you keep calling me Nicole? I'm Janice. She said, well, the doctor will be here, okay? About a few hours later, a doctor comes. She's a female and she's an intern, an intern from Iran. And she has some Muslim garbs on. I said, oh, shoot, okay, what's going on here, okay? Then she says, who are you today? I said, excuse me? She said, who are you? I said, why is everybody telling me who I am? I'm Janice. So she says, come follow me. And we go into the room and she sits me down. She puts in front of me a pile of drawing that looks like it was done by a child. And I'm looking at them. And there was one particular drawing, which was a drawing of skeletons that had the form of devils. And they were all on the beach. Some of them was in the ocean, just with pig fucks, just, you know, standing there. And there was one looking directly at the viewer with a pitchfork. And I said, whoa, this is, I don't know who did this, but this is really scary, you know? So she turns, she sits down and she puts her hand on me. She leans very motherly. She says, um, um, I think you have multi-personality disorder. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you talking about Sybil? I saw the movie, okay? That's what Sally feels. Okay, are you telling me that I have personalities that I don't know about? Okay, I said, well, listen, Sally Phil or Sybil was white. Her mother fucked her ass up. I don't know anything about that, okay? That didn't happen to me. Then she just gently looked at me. She says, because of your age, there is no outpatient that would, would help you that you might have to admit yourself to a psychiatric ward. And I said, wait a minute. Okay. I'm going on. I said, mm, I don't think so. But just for curiosity, how long would it take? Because I'm thinking in my mind, maybe two week vacation. Okay. She said, well, I don't know. It might be years. Okay. You need psychotherapy and medication. And next thing I know, she said, here's a prescription and here's a letter with my diagnosis. And she gets up and walks out. Blackout. I don't remember leaving the hospital. I don't remember going home. I don't remember nothing. Next thing I know that I, my memory is that I was a mental health player for um, Clifton Mental Health. And basically that is we go around the neighborhood or communities enacting scenarios for discussion. I just went to speak to my went to speak to my got my counsel my director by name of Penny, and I just said you know just I'm gonna give her what I my experience I told her, and I'm thinking she's gonna say oh that woman don't know what she's talking about. Next thing I know she throws her hands up in the air and she said no wonder, and I look at she said now I understand the different names the different clothes I just thought she was a method and I said to myself, does everybody know that I'm mentally ill except me? She said, you know, I know that there's no outpatients, but I have a lady, a psychiatrist that will help you. The next thing I knew, I was walking into Barnett Hospital Children Ward, met the receptionist. She opens the, um, she leads me to a door, the psychiatrist by the name of Miss uh, Feinberg, I think opens the door and she says to me, I can't 
help you merge your personalities together, but I can help you find them. Thank you, Janice. Janice lives up in the Garden State of New Jersey. Next up, Kat Dean, who lives in my neighborhood right here in the Triangle, North Carolina. I'm walking across the campus of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill on my way to a French class. I'm 22 years old. And it's an absolutely beautiful day outside. But I can feel the panic starting to rise in my chest. I can feel that my heart is starting to race and my ears are starting to ring and I'm starting to have trouble breathing. And I know a panic attack is on the way, a full-fledged panic attack. What I wanna do is I wanna turn around and run back to my dorm or run and hide somewhere. But I think to myself, I can do it, I can do this, I can do this. And I think that I have everything I need in my backpack to, so, to, to be okay. And I continue walking up the stairs to my class and I sit down and I'm okay. But that's not how it was yesterday. Yesterday, 24 hours earlier, on an equally beautiful day, I was sitting on one of the stone walls that lines the university in full-fledged meltdown. I had absolutely, completely lost my mind. I couldn't think a thought. I couldn't communicate. I was just, my heart was pounding and I was almost positive I was about to die, or maybe even something worse than die. Maybe I was just gonna lose my soul, and that's definitely worse than dying. And I'd never, I'd never get it back. And I'm sitting there, absolutely frozen with inaction. And a friend of mine walks up, Keith walks up, and he says, hey, Kat, what are you doing? And I didn't say anything, I just shook my head. And, and he sat down and said, what's up, Kat? And I said, I'm freaking out, I can't, I can't go home. I can't go home, I don't know how to get home. He understood something was going on and he said, well, I'll, I'll walk back to your dorm with you. And he linked his arm in mine and said, don't worry, I'll be the one to see you get there safely. We walked back to my dorm and I sat down on my bed and he said, I'm, I'll come back and check on you after class. You just stay here. And he leaves and I'm, I'm sitting there and I think I can't live like this anymore. I hadn't been to class in two weeks because every time I came within 10 feet of one of the buildings my classes were in, I'd start a complete meltdown and I'd end up running back to my dorm. I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't live like this anymore. And so I decided the best thing to do would be to quit school. I could quit. And in fact, I thought right this minute, I could make my way to the registrar's office and I could get the paperwork required for me to quit. And, and be done with this, and then maybe find some place to crawl where I didn't have to feel anything, anything at all, happy, sad, nothing, just no feelings. And so it took me about two hours of walking and stopping and sitting on these stone walls to get to the registrar's office, and I finally do, and I get the paperwork, and I take it back to my room, and I fill it out. And I'm sitting there with these filled out paperwork, and I realize I feel more in charge right now. I feel like Knowing I've made a decision, a decision to give up, it made me feel like I wasn't melting down. And I thought what I would do tomorrow is instead of take them straight back to the registrar's office, I'd try a class, see what happened. But it was okay because any time I felt the first hint of panic, all I had to do was take these in. It was all done. And so I put the papers in my back sack. I went to bed, slept the day away, slept the night away, and then woke up early to go to my first class because I know rushing is one of the things that can trigger a panic attack. So I made sure I had all morning to get there. 
And I got almost to there, to one of these stone walls, and it started. I started to feel it. My, my heart was starting to race. My, my ears were starting to ring. And I said, no, it's okay. I got these papers. Anytime. This starts to get out of control. I just quit. I'll be fine. Go on to that class, and you can sit there and, and, and not listen to the teacher or anything. You can just sit there. That alone would have been an accomplishment, and I did. I sat there in the class, and it was a French class, and the professor started speaking French, and I realized... Her voice was not making me want to scream. I wasn't falling apart. And if I did start to fall apart, I knew what to do. And I spent the rest of that semester with with that paperwork, ready for my signature, in my backpack, ready to run at any moment. And knowing that I had that freedom helped me regain control every time I started to fly apart. And I never did sign those papers, and I did make it. Thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Janice and Kat. Thank you, ladies. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99 Second Story Grand Slam season number five. And help us out if you would. If you listen to Grit on Apple, please rate and review this podcast. It really helps people find it. Thanks so much for that. That is all for episode number 61. Boom. Boom.